Romans 10, 9 and 10, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Verse 11 is important. For the scripture saith, Whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. The context is, if you have truly believed on the Lord Jesus Christ in your heart, it has to be from your heart, then it will come out of your mouth, out of the abundance of the heart. The mouth speaketh. Well, I've always believed in God. That's not what that says. Right? So a spiritual checkup is you have to have confessed Jesus Christ as Lord. This is an event that we choose. Okay? It's like getting married. People are either married or they're not married. If you're married, you remember it, hopefully. Right? Everybody okay this morning? All right. You accept each other. There comes a time when you say, yes, on this date, we will have vows before God and we will accept each other. And you remember it. And there are people out there who say, well, we're going to pretend like we're married. We're going to live together. We're going to do everything that married people do. And you say, hey, is this your wife? And then there's that awkward silence. Right. Don't get awkward on the awkward silence just because I said awkward silence. That wasn't a cue, <laughs> right? Awkward silence. Well, actually, and there's a lot of people that do that in Christianity, right? They can actually pretend like they're a Christian in a lot of ways, but they haven't actually had that moment with Jesus from the heart. They've accepted him and then confessed him, okay? So, spiritual checkup, okay? You've confessed Jesus as your Lord, and then, of course, because we've confessed him as Lord, now we need to grow from that moment. It always is from the heart, and it comes out in your life, all right? All right, number two, you're seeking to obey Christ's commands. 1 John 5, we'll go to uh, 1 John 2, 6. We have the references there on the slide for you. Okay, we, we need to, uh, re, I was I had a conversation with, uh, with a really nice guy, uh, this week. And, um, he has worn, um, different t-shirts and sweatshirts and stuff at the gym and it says stuff about God on it. So I said, Hey, are you a Christian? And yeah, I've been going to church and he's given all these different, all these different things. But then he's like, my parents are Buddhist, and I think that pretty much all those things are okay. And I grew up Catholic, and I think that's okay. And, you know, and, and it's like the more the conversation went on, the more it's like, you haven't actually accepted Christ yet. Accepting Jesus, is ex- he is exclusively the Savior of the world. You cannot say I am a Christian and everybody else is okay too. That is not the way it works. There is one name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Okay, There's a difference between 
I've confessed Christ as my Savior, and I'm maybe not walking with Christ, and I don't have the boldness I should have, and so sometimes I kind of hide and keep my mouth shut. doesn't mean you're not saved. It means you're kind of ashamed and versus someone who's never confessed Christ. They've never trusted Christ as their Savior. And they're trying to make sure that they don't keep. Look, we have got to get away from this thing that being a good person is never hurting anybody's feelings. That is like the greatest good this world can do right now. Well, I'm the good. I'm the I'm the I'm the goodest. I'm the goodest person in the world. I never hurt anybody's feelings. Oh, come on. If you choose Starbucks over Tim Hortons, or vice versa, you're going to hurt somebody's feelings, and that makes you a bad person. I mean, I'm just going to, that's why if you're a really good person, you use a generic cup like this and nobody knows what you're drinking. Dan, you got to get right with God. Drinking is Starbucks in front of God and everybody. Right? I'm confessing Christ is my Savior. I've chosen him. He died for me. Right? And then because of that, because of that new life, that we have in Christ, there's something inside of me that wants to obey him. It doesn't mean I always obey him. There's a want to inside your heart. And that's where we find in 1 John 2, 6. 1 John 2 and verse number 6. He that saith, he abideth in him, ought himself also so to walk even as he walked. If we're abiding in Christ, that, that abiding in Christ means that, if, and, and we can look in, in John 15 as well, abiding in Christ is like walking in the Spirit. Okay, if you're in Christ, in Christ means that you're saved, but abiding in Christ means you are making that choice to follow Jesus Christ. And we are seeking to obey Christ's commands. And then let's go to 1 John 5, 3 and 4. Remember, this is a spiritual checkup. Five, three, and four. For this is the love of God that we keep his commandments. That's not the way the world interprets the love of God. The world interprets love as you can do whatever you want. Actually, what it interprets is I can do whatever I want, and you have to be okay with it. That's what the world says is love. Is that that's what they say? That is not what God says. God says something quite the opposite. Because many people choose very sinful and unhealthy choices and say, this is what I want to do. Listen, love, true love is always God centric. Meaning God is always the center of what true love is. I am not the center of true love. It is not me. I am not the focal point of true love. God is the focal point of true love. That's what the Bible teaches when it talks about love over and over and over and over again. We keep God high and lifted up. And then love is honoring to the Lord and it is healthy for me. And it's good for other people because it points to God. Selflessness. Sacrificial love. The Bible says once again, 1 John 5, 3 and 4. 
For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments. And his commandments are not grievous. What is grievous? Yeah. Dangerous. I like that. What else? What are grievous? Burdensome. Mm. Does the world say that? Uh, let's, let's, let's ask this question. Does an unsaved person think that the commands of God are burdensome? Yes, they absolutely do. Okay. This is part, this is one of the evidences that we are truly born again is that when we, we may not always do them. We, we may have that flesh side of us that we kind of fall into and we lean into the flesh more than we lean into the spirit. We don't know, but it's in there. It's in there. It's a part of the new birth. It resides in our heart. Verse four says, for whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world. And this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith, meaning it's in there. The faith is in there. He's given us that relationship that we could overcome by faith if we were to walk according to his commandments. We can overcome. The world doesn't have that. Matter of fact, the world doesn't really want to overcome. Okay. Um, quick little side note. Psalm 2. Psalms 2. This is a, an amazing passage of scripture for today. Psalm 2 and verse 1. Why do the heathen rage? I don't know. Why do the heathen, are the heathen raging? Yeah, the heathen are raging. Every time you, every, every news, news article, the heathen are raging. There's no peace. And the people imagine a vain thing. The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord. We're going to look at this. Capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D in the King James Bible. What is that name for the name of God? Somebody tell me. Some of you Bible scholars. Yes, brother. Jehovah God. Right? The kings of the earth set themselves and they're rebellious against the supreme ruler of heaven and earth. That's what it's saying. Why is everybody always fighting? Because they're fighting against God. Is that what that says? Why, why is there, why, why is there so much conflict? Why is there so many bad things? People, the, the lost world wants to say, well, if there was a God, why is there so much fighting? As if it's his responsibility to stop all the fighting. It's like, well, if they wouldn't fight against God, there wouldn't be any fighting. Let us break their bands asunder and cast away their cords from us. Break their bands asunder, cast away their cords. These are the commands of God. They, they're casting them aside. They can't, they, listen, they don't want to do it and they can't do it. Uh, Matthew Henry said, a neck not touched by the grace of God cannot bear the yoke of biblical commands. To us, his commandments are not grievous. It is love for us to learn and obey and follow. I am sick and tired of these entertainment-based churches. It's not necessarily that the message is inherently wrong, but it seems like to me that it's extremely shallow. 
God is love, God is love, God is love. Well, what is love? Somebody explain that to me. Well, you can't find it in those types of churches, unfortunately. Right? And it's very entertainment-based. Listen, by God's grace, Sparrow Baptist Church will never be a church where all of the bright lights are up here and back and in where everyone's sitting is dark. This is not an entertainment piece. I am not an actor. Maybe a little. No, I'm not an actor. Our, uh, the musicians are servants of the Lord, right? Uh, it's not meant to be something that we rehearse so that we put on a perfect performance week after week after week so that people are compelled to come. Number three, you love and obey God's word. Spiritual checkup. You've confessed Jesus Christ as Lord. Live true to that. If you are saved, live true to that. Right? Don't lean into what the world is telling you. Uh, the world wants to say, uh, be honest with who you truly are. That's confusing. But listen, if you've confessed Jesus Christ as your Savior, you're truly born again, that's who you truly are. That's your identity. First and foremost, I am a Christian. Oh, quietness. First and foremost, I am a Christian. Has nothing to do with my nationality, ethnicity, background, the great uh, things that have been accomplished in my life. I'm not identified by my victories, nor am I primarily identified by my defeats. It, this this culture, modern day culture, everybody wants to walk up to each other. Okay, here's a list of things that's wrong with me. Now tell me your list of things that's wrong with you. Now that way I can treat you in a certain way so that you're not offended and more more hurt and broken. Where's the grace of God in all that? There's no grace. There's no great Look, I'm not primarily defined by what is wrong with me. You say, well, pastor, I've got a list for you. <laughs> Because of the grace of God, we can be defined by our Savior. I don't need to see myself primarily how I see myself. I need to learn about how Jesus sees me. It's so funny. We've got this puppy dog. Here we go. This is my, this is my, I'm not going to even promise this is my one illustration of Oliver. He got a haircut, which by the way, when you take, I mean, he's just, just, just shaved right down to nothing. <laughs> he looks like a completely different dog, honestly. Matter of fact, yesterday he saw himself in the mirror. We have a video if you want to see it. There's a full-length mirror, and he's seen himself in the mirror before, and he was fine with it. But when he saw himself with a haircut, he totally freaked out. He was barking and growling. And then, you know, he's kind of bristling and he's coming up to the mirror and then he realizes the dog in the mirror is getting closer too. And he's like, Arr! and then he runs back. He's totally just freaked out. But it's, it's interesting that dogs, again, it's a dog, but it's just a, it's simple illustration. When he does something that's good, when he, let's just say, we say, Oliver, come. And he, and he comes. And then usually April's the one that does this. She gives him verbal praise. <gasps> That's a good boy. That's a good boy. Just like that. 
right? Man, even before he gets the treat, because he knows he's going to get a little nibble of something, he's just, man, he's just, his tail's going everywhere, and he's just, he just hears that verbal, that verbal affirmation, right? And he knows he's going to get a treat. Look, he's just a dog, right? But he gets excited because of what somebody else is saying. We need to learn to do that with the way Jesus thinks about us. Instead of going out into the world and saying, how does the world see me? And that's how I'm going to feel. I'm going to go back into my past and discover every little twinge of emotion I've had in the past. And I'm not trying to, I'm not, I'm not trying to downplay some things that have happened, but we cannot find our identity in that. We need to go to Jesus. And he says, you've confessed me as your savior. You are saved. You are different. You have a new nature. That's how we need to see ourselves. You love and obey God's word. 1 John 2, 5. This is a spiritual checkup, right? Just a spiritual checkup. Not necessarily evidence of salvation in this particular Bible study. Just a spiritual checkup. We have the capacity to love and obey God's word because we've been saved. But do we love and obey God's word? 1 John 2, 5. But whoso keepeth his word in him verily is the love of God perfected. Hereby know we that we are in him. You see the assurance We know that we're in him. We know that we're in Christ. We know that we truly are believers, that we belong to him, that we're forgiven. How? Where does that assurance come from? It comes from his word. It comes from spending time with God in his word. You guys remember the last two weeks on uh, the 11 o'clock hour, we've been preaching about John the Baptist and how he was experiencing these deep doubts, and he sent two of his disciples in Matthew chapter number 11. He's in prison, experiencing doubts. Is this, is this he, or do we look for another? I mean, he's confused. Is this really the Messiah? Because based on my life circumstances right now, I'm really doubting whether or not this is even real. Out of all of the victories, out of all of the past, out of all of the baptisms, Remember, he's the one that personally baptized Jesus Christ, saw Jesus' face go under the water and come back up, heard the voice of God from heaven, come on now, saw the Holy Spirit come like a dove and light on Jesus. Who? Experienced more, closely, the evidence that Jesus was the Son of God than John the Baptist. And yet in that moment of darkness, moments of darkness are going to come. Moments of you feeling like you're in a prison are going to come. It is going to happen to you. We live in a sin-cursed world. We live in frail human bodies. And the doctors are doing their very best to understand the human brain. But it is so confusing. Why do brains do mental health? What's true? What's not true? We don't know. Doctors themselves disagree. Some people want to only go to what the Bible says, which is what we should do, and completely disregard what the medical world says. I don't think that's true. We don't do that in any other area of of medical um, uh, diagnoses or anything like that. 
The fact of the matter is times of darkness are going to come. Times of doubt are going to come. Where do, what do we need in that moment more than anything, my friends? What do we need? We need the voice of Jesus Christ himself telling us, you are mine, you belong to me. It's not my voice I need to hear. It's not my, you can do it, Mr. Pastor Corey. It's not, look, we get so sick of our own thoughts. We need to hear his voice. Jesus said in John chapter 10, my sheep hear my voice. And I know them. I know them. And they follow me. We come to his word for that assurance. We can get distracted. We can lean into the flesh. We can start following our sinful nature and go out there and experience the pleasures of the world like the prodigal son. But when we lean into God's word, we love and obey God's word. We have that sweet assurance. When you lean into God's word, two things will happen. If you are saved, you will find assurance. If you are truly born again, you will find assurance. If you are not saved, the doubts will grow deeper. The word of God will either comfort you that you are saved or convict you that you are lost. God's word will either comfort you that you are saved or it will convict you that you are lost. A lost person going to the word of God is not going to receive comfort the same way that a saved person will. Number four, you are miserable when you sin. 1 John 3 and verse 8. 1 John 3 and verse 8. He that committeth sin is of the devil, for the devil sinneth from the beginning. This is talking about habitual lifestyle sin. Somebody says, I trusted Christ as my Savior back when I was a little kid. And they go out there and they live like an absolute heathen. Nothing is in their mind. It doesn't bother their conscience. You ask them, oh, yeah, no, I did that when I was little. I'm fine. I'm going to heaven. And they just live a corrupt and sinful lifestyle. That person is not saved. On the authority of the word of God, that person is not saved. You cannot habitually live a sinful lifestyle as if you're not saved, but then claim to be saved. Just doesn't work that way. That's why it says in verse 8 and 9, we'll read through these. He that committeth sin is of the devil. It's talking about habitually committing sin. For the devil sinneth from the beginning. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. Whosoever is born of God doth not commit sin. Habitually committing sin, as in sinful living is your lifestyle. Okay? Nothing has ever changed. It doesn't mean that you can't sin. Or not as in like, oh, I get permission to sin. That's not what I'm saying. doesn't mean that we as Christians are now sinless. We'll look at that verse in just a moment. Okay? But it means that if we're truly born again, there's going to be a difference in our life. Uh, one particular uh, person illustrated it this way. He said, before I was saved, I used to run to the sin. 
Now that I'm saved and I'm born again, I run away from the sin. And sometimes the sin catches up to me and I commit sin. But it's not a lifestyle. Something is different inside. Okay? Uh, we'll finish reading this one and then we'll look at 1 John 1, 9. Uh, whosoever is born of God doth not commit sin, for his seed remaineth in him and he cannot sin because he is born of God. In this, the children of God are manifest in the children of the devil. Whosoever doeth not righteousness is not of God, neither he that loveth not his brother. When we are witnessing to our family and our friends and we're saying, you just need to get saved, make sure that you lead them to a true biblical confession of Jesus Christ. That they're realizing that in accepting Christ, truly, he is going to change their life. Do not just press people to make a prayer for salvation. If I can just get them to say the prayer. Nobody ever went to heaven just because they said a prayer. Prayers did not die for us. A person died for us. And when we trust that person as our Savior, he changes our life, not all at once in the sense of now we're this perfect Christian. But the seed is there, as the verse just said, the seed remaineth in him. The seed is there and it begins to grow. Is that true? Is that what God's word teaches us about Christianity? Absolutely right. You say, well, pastor, what happens if I sin? Because I've sinned this week. Okay, First John 1, 9 if we confess our sins, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Notice it says in verse number eight, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. And to cleanse us from all unrighteousness, verse 10, if we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. Okay, Some people uh, at this time period were trying to say, I don't have a sin nature. Okay, That's not what that's saying. But the Bible clearly teaches us we have a sin nature. We need to get saved. But also, neither does the Bible teach us that after you're saved, now you're, you have sinless perfection. You are just this perfect, perfect, perfect person. Okay. You're in the family, but as we all know, sometimes family relations can be challenging. And we have to come back to that person and say, you should be sorry for what you know. <laughs> you should come to that person and say, I'm sorry for what I did. It wasn't my fault. You should say you're sorry anyway. Remember, in order to have a healthy relationship with anyone, it's not so much as your accounting page of what happened and their accounting page and version of what happened match up perfectly. You both completely agree with all of the details that happened. And so now you can have a relationship. No, that's not the way it works. That's not the way it works. The relationship is more important than the accuracy. The relationship is more important than the accuracy. You matter more to me, so I'm going to forgive. Well, you made me feel. That's legitimate. 
but you matter more to me than the accuracy. Well, I have, I have 35 items here we have to agree on in order for... If you're dealing with the CRA, that should be the way you do that. If you're dealing with your friend, spouse, family member, that's not the way you rectify a relationship. Say, well, I need more Bible on that. Do we seriously think that we completely understand how deeply that we've hurt God with our sin? Is there, is it even humanly possible for us to come up with the same level of detail and agreement with how deeply we've hurt God? Jesus, I completely understand how much I hurt you when you took my sin and died for me on the cross. That's just not possible. Why do we do it with the person that we're trying to have a relationship with? You have to, you have to understand. You have to sit here and listen. We're, we're going to book a three-hour session. You're going to listen to 95 million ways you've hurt me. Sounds like a good song for somebody to write. Right? That's just not the way it works. Are they sincere in their desire to renew that relationship? Yes. Did they say they were genuinely sorry? Yes. Take some time, build some trust, but forgive them. Forgive them. I don't know how we got that from this point. It's not the first time. Oop, that's the wrong list. You're miserable when you sin. We have five minutes. Habitually committing sin is an indication you are on the devil's side spiritually. Satan is the prince and the power of the air. He is the he is the ruler of darkness. He is the one that works in the hearts of those that are unbelievers. And by following Satan's rule, you just live a sinful lifestyle. By the way, that can mean you live a very clean lifestyle and you don't recognize that God should be God in your life. There's a lot of really good people out there that live really good lives, have incredible character, moral lives, very honest, look out for their neighbor, but they're trusting in themselves that they are righteous. They're still on the devil's side. But as someone who's trusted Christ as their Savior, there's something inside of us that says he is Lord. He is God. He is my leader. I bow to him. This world, right now this world is not, it doesn't seem in, in, in first world countries that we are extraordinarily religious. What people get the most upset about is if we disrespect another human being including yourself. So the highest form right now is a human being, not God. Well, I believe in God as long as you know, as long as you know, you know, God believes in me. That kind of, I don't know what I was just trying to do right there. That make you feel awkward? I'm sorry. Yes, please. 
It is. That's exactly right. Yep. Uh, we'll get into that later. Okay. Born again Christians do not habitually commit sin unaffected. They have, they have grieved the Holy Spirit and they are miserable. Okay. Number five, you keep yourself out of Satan's way. First John 5, 18 and 19. First John 5, 18 and 19. We know that whosoever is born of God sinneth not, but he that is begotten of God keepeth himself, and that wicked one toucheth him not. We know that we are of God, and the whole world lieth in wickedness. You are part of God's family, and you are held securely, but you do need to protect yourself. Some people, places, and activities make it easier for the devil to tempt you. Now that you've been delivered from the kingdom of Satan, you have no desire to deliberately get back into his clutches. So you may need to change some ingrained patterns. Some friendships will change or end. This will occur naturally if you just follow Christ. Well, I just keep having this friend and they just tempt me and I... Just keep following Christ with your whole heart. That friend will start to feel uncomfortable around you. Friends are influencers. More than anything, really. Especially, uh, we often talk to teenagers and kids about friends, but honestly, I feel like it's almost, in some ways, more uh, impactful as an adult who your friends are than as a kid. Well, I have this one friend. Well, those words are actually in the Bible, in a way. Friends influence us. I'm trying to grow, but I keep on sliding back into old ways. Who are you sliding back into old ways with? Who? Whose calls do you keep taking? Whose texts? Whose number do you need to block? You can and should try to witness to them. Well, you know, I used to struggle with drinking, so I've got this lost friend, and if I go to the bar with them, maybe I can witness to them. Does that really sound like a good idea? Is that really the way that's going to work? Some recreational activities need to be replaced with something more wholesome. You're not giving up. Anything except that which tears you down and seeks to destroy you. These things can be replaced by new activities, friends, desires, and goals. We've got this idea out there that everybody needs to have a huge group of friends that they always do amazing things with, which is just not reality. It's just not reality. We need to understand that this is one of the things that God does in his church, through his church. He can give us amazing relationships in our church and with other believers from other good churches that are a healthy influence in our life. A healthy influence in our life. Last one. You love other Christians. You love other Christians. 
This is a, a topic that could take a lot of time. I'll just touch on it and then we'll be done. The Bible says in 1 John 5, 1, Whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ is born of God and everyone that loveth him that begat loveth him also that is begotten of him. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and keep his commandments. Those three, those three things go together. I love God, I love his commandments, and I love his people. Those three things go together. Listen, I'll touch on this and I'll be done. This whole thing where I'm going to be this digital super Christian at home and never go to church is not biblical. I'm going to be really close to God and sing praises in my bedroom where I can't get sick, which is not true. Amen. I'm going to be this super Christian in my room and just listen online. I'm going to pray for people online. One of the ways that we show God that we love him is by loving the brethren and sistren. That was funny. Come on now, help me out. Right? Huh? Okay. We'll get into that a little bit deeper a little bit later. We're going to go ahead and pray. Help us take down the tables, if you would, by taking your things off. And we'll take the tables out into the hallway and we'll set up the rows for church. There should be five uh, chairs in each row and we'll do... Uh, about four, four or five rows back. Okay? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this opportunity to study your word. Lord, we pray that you would bless our time together. Help us as we look at this spiritual checkup. If there is one in particular or two that we find ourselves short, I help us to um, be honest with ourselves. Allow you to change our heart and grow in that area. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.